It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. I'm Teresa. And I'm Colleen. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. Welcome to Tangential Inspiration. This is Colleen, and I will be talking today about Jessica Seinfeld. I'm excited, excited about that one. Yes. And Charles Scholes, one of my favorites. And yes. Teresa. Snoopy. 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 Yeah. Yes, the creator of Snoopy and Peanuts. And Teresa will be discussing a barber in Cincinnati that gives haircuts to special needs children. Exciting episode. Yes. So, I think Teresa knows this, but... <laughs> I really love cookbooks. Well, we both actually <laughs> yes. really like cookbooks. Yes. But Teresa is better at me at getting them from the library. Some. Some, yes. I just order them on Amazon. <laughs> I've learned the hard way. I've had to get rid of so many because the kids give me grief. And, yeah. Oh. So. And I like to check them out from the library to see if I like them. Skinny Taste is the one that I found out from the library that I love her. And so I do have all of the Skinny Taste cookbooks because yeah. I can... Yeah. I Our Best everything. Bites is mine for that. Okay. They're my favorite. Who's, oh. They are my favorite. Yeah. So I actually had on my to-do list this weekend to do like a purge mm-hmm. of my cookbooks, mm-hmm. but it was just too nice outside here in Oregon yes. and I didn't and do it. And we don't get that very often. <laughs> I, no. I didn't no. do it, but it's still on my to-do list. So The there, one cookbook yeah. I have of, well, I used to have one with, you know, trying to squeeze in vegetables. With yeah. Kids. Deceptively delicious. Yes. I didn't make anything out of that cookbook probably because yeah. I didn't cook a lot then. Right. And now I have like perfect swings or something. And oh, she's got food both swings. Food swings. Yes. Yep. She's got both like healthy. Vice and virtue. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So have you tried anything out of yes. that? Yes. Okay. I, I go through mine and, and yesterday made something. Here. It was super quick. It was called Italian Eggs Benedict. Mm. It was really simple mm-hmm. and really good. Really good. Okay. Yeah. So I do like breakfast for dinner. I love breakfast for dinner. (laughs) So recently my friend Amy, uh, their family that we've known at dance forever, she has a daughter that is a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me about a great vegan cookbook. And honestly, I'm not a vegan. Mm -hmm. In fact, it seemed really hard. I always tell people that I could could let go of the meat, but I don't know if I could go without really good cheese. Yeah, I know. I can't. Yeah. Or like butter and cookies. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, now there's great, like, vegan chocolate chips and everything now. But I remember at the time thinking, I don't know if I can do it without yeah. a chocolate chip cookie. A good one. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, Amy and her husband, who's a big meat eater, really loved the recipes in this cookbook. And they'd given this cookbook as a gift. And so, with her high recommendations, I purchased it. Mm-hmm. And it's called Vegan at Times. Mm. It's by Jessica Seinfeld. She's the wife of Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. if you didn't know that. That's a clever name. Yes. Because not everyone's vegan, but everyone can be vegan at, at times. times. Yeah. And that was her point. Mm-hmm. And this was actually, that's my first cookbook I've, I've ever had from Jessica Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. I, I knew she was. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved her attitude and her comments in the cookbook. They really spoke to me. She said, I started to eat vegan at times and I began to feel the difference. When I ate that way, I slept better and had more energy when I was awake. And it opened up a new world of options. I noticed a difference when I eat the right things versus the wrong things. However, I'm also ready to have a good steak once in a while. Mm-hmm. I admit it. And that's the point. After eating vegan at times mm-hmm. for a while, you might start to dither on dairy and not be able to look a ribeye in the eye. And you might enjoy the whole new world of eating that opens up. And I love this. 
It's time to eat, enjoy, and live your life without fear of judgment. Find the ingredients you need where you already shop. And be among fellow adventurers who are curious about vegan food, but are also not ready to give up their love of cheese, Mm -hmm. (laughs) eggs, hand right here, and other non-vegan items. Mm -hmm. With all we've got going on in today's world, food should stand above as a pleasure and a delight. And I just really love that. She doesn't have to do any of this cooking. She can just, yeah. No, but she really does love to cook. She learned it from her grandmother. So it's funny. Actually, I try to cook from this cookbook one night a week. And my husband and I have really. Yeah, just one night a week. I've actually even made like the vegan biscuits out of Mm -hmm. it. I've made, um, it was a sweet potato risotto. Mm -hmm. It was really good. So, in fact, I made a batch of her cold peanut noodles. Mm. They're just a really simple mm-hmm. noodle. And I had made kind of, I made the whole batch with the intent of eating them that week for lunch. Lunch, yeah. Well, I came home and my husband had eaten the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, um, that was supposed to be like four or five days yeah. of lunch. That's the sign and... <laughs> of a good recipe, though. Yeah. Remind me of the name of this cookbook. Vegan, Vegan at Times. Vegan at Times. Mm-hmm. And they were ju- they're just a very simple peanut noodle. Mm-hmm. You can put, like, if you like cilantro, I know she puts a little cucumber on mm-hmm. this side, which is delicious, and some peanuts. So I started following her on Instagram, and that's when I got to see the charity work that she was involved in for families. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it. She notes that sh- she actually has three children, a okay. girl and two boys. But she noticed after the, the birth of her daughter, Sasha... That she had closets of clothes that were used, but very usable still. Mm-hmm. Baby clothing and equipment she no longer e- needed. And yeah, she's they grow actually, out of them so fast. That- right. She's the daughter of a social worker. Mm-hmm. So she said, I already had this on my mind. Mm-hmm. And she had actually done some social work herself. I believe that's what she went to school for. Mm-hmm. She said, throwing out perfectly good baby gear was unthinkable. And yet there was no easy way to get this to a family that needed it. Mm -hmm. And that's really what she wanted. So she started a charity called Baby Buggy. It's now called The Good Plus. And that's like a sign of the Plus Foundation. Mm -hmm. And on their website, Good Plus Foundation is the leading national nonprofit that works to dismantle multi-generational poverty by pairing tangible goods with innovative services for low-income fathers, mothers, and caregivers Creating an upward trajectory for the whole family. I love that Fathers is included in that. Yes. And um, if you go to their website, which we I will give at the end, but they do really talk about, I was telling Teresa this, that they list like all the women that are part of this mm-hmm. foundation, but there's a huge list of men which is that are so a part of this foundation. Inspiring to see. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So you'll see some different numbers, but on their website, they've actually received and distributed $90 million worth of items, items. Wow. across the United States. And these are the people so, that really need it. That's what I love yes. that you're saying that, is that it isn't just dropping it off for some. Yes. And when you read on their website, too, fathers are really empowered, like we talked about, to stay around and to learn how to be fathers. Mm-hmm. And that's what the point of having a lot of men on board, too, that mm-hmm. they want to do. I think that's so, very encouraging mm-hmm. and so, important. I was reading an article about a fundraiser they had in August of 2022, and they were talking about how COVID had affected families because a lot of these networks that they use to get stuff to people shut down. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of had to go different routes. Yeah. They called it getting mm-hmm. micro grants. It says the needs of our families escalated 
to such a terrifying degree that we started a micro-grants program so they could buy groceries, pay their rent, and pay for utilities. Yeah, because bad time because so, they probably were out the fi- financial aspect right. of it, you know, income. Right. And then so the needs still yeah. there. Yeah, it's not just uh-huh. we need baby stuff. Mm-hmm. It's now we need to pay our rent. Everything. Right. I loved, loved this. Uh, a fifth round of grants is ahead. And good plus policy work in L.A. County includes efforts to slow the pipeline into foster care. When a child's parent is deemed unfit by advocating the authorities first contact family members. So instead of just putting these children right into the foster care, they're reaching out to family members that are willing mm-hmm. and can. What's take amazing these to children. me is that that isn't already in just place. Already, yeah, I I guess at me being an idiot, I assume that that already happens, but I kind of assumed not. the same, but that is not what happens. So Jerry said, Mr. Husband, if you are one of these kids, that's a life-changing thing to be able to stay with a family yeah. member. Instead they of, love you like, you know, absolutely. no one else. Absolutely. I mean, not that there isn't love in the foster system. There most there certainly is. is. But, if you, if, is but, but if you have a family member that's willing and fit, mm-hmm. that should that's be your first thing, stop. Yeah. Right? For sure. Who knows? They might be able to keep them in the same school. Mm-hmm. And... In the same there's area. There's all sorts of things. They know yes. the family history. I mean, there's yes. just a ton of reasons why right. that would be the best option. Right. So if you would like to follow along with Jessica on her food, which is great, <laughs> and her charitable work on her Instagram, her Instagram handle is Jess Seinfeld. So it's actually three S's. Mm. Jess Seinfeld. And also at goodplusfoundation.org. Very cool. So I can't remember a time when I didn't love the Peanuts. And Woodstock. And everything. <laughs> yeah. And I grew up watching the Peanuts. I mean, mm-hmm. did you? The Christmas one. The Christmas oh, episode. The Christmas one. Yeah. Okay. So before we even had kids, Jeff and I bought the whole little set at Costco. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember. But it has all the Peanuts. Oh. I mean, like, it has, like, including one I'd never seen, which was about pilgrims. It's kind of harsh. <sighs> Yes, actually, yeah, and Snoopy has the big musket yeah. and the hat, yes, yeah. Yeah. and I do, like, Jeff, Thanksgiving, husband, yeah, but... um, came to Halloween dressed as Charlie Brown. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so it's, you guys are peanut fans. I really love it. <laughs> and then my girls also love to watch, there's, it's an Easter, there's an Easter one, too. Oh, I've I know, we, we do own it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm really excited today to be talking about Charles Schultz. He was born in 1922, and he was an only child. Mm. And his uncle called him Sparky. Like, oh. he went by Sparky. So I'm going <laughs> to call him that throughout this. Oh, that's cute. But he went by Sparky after the horse spark plug in a comic strip called Barney Google. I've mm. never heard of this, no. but apparently this was a comic strip that Sparky enjoyed reading. So his uncle just called, yeah. started calling him oh, that, and he went funny. by that his whole life. Must so, not have been that good because we haven't we heard don't about know that, it. but we do know about peanuts. We weren't born in 1920. That's true. Either. That's true. So, and a kindergarten teacher was among the first to notice his drawing skills. She handed him fat crayons and paper for a drawing <laughs> assignment. This is so cute. He sketched a man shoveling Minnesota snow with a palm tree in the background. Oh. I just thought that was really <laughs> cute. And just smart for a little kid, like shoveling snow, but also knowing that there wouldn't be a palm tree usually with snow. <laughs> And she said to him, someday, Charles, you're going to be an artist. 
that seemed to light a spark in young Charles, even as and a young small Sparky. child. And young Sparky. <laughs> even as a small child, family and friends later said he never wanted to be anything but a, but a cartoonist. Oh. And I just See, love and that. that's cool that his, like, his teacher would, that, that shows, like, how important teachers are for us. Right. They just really inspire kids. Right. To reach for the stars. I had a kid in Sunday school a couple years ago that drew a picture on the blackboard of a person. He actually drew, like, the dust coming up from him, and you could tell he was in motion. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my gosh. In, in this our, is amazing. <laughs> At class I'm taking, they asked us to draw a picture of, such, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, do you really want to see a stick figure? Mm, right. I will talk about it. We are. I'm not going to be doing any drawing. Right. Because I cannot and draw. And this it. kid, it was just amazing. Yeah. And on a chalkboard, it's harder yeah. to draw, too. Wait. So I just was so impressed because... In his high school years, Sparky became a huge fan of Sherlock Holmes. Me too. Oh, yeah. He would buy scrapbooks at the nearby Five and Dime store and fill them with original Sherlock Holmes stories in comic book form. And also he had a really good friend named Shermie. So Sherlock and Shermie. And when Sparky, and Sparky. Sparky, <laughs> Sparky launched Peanuts, Shermie was one of the original characters. Oh. So I thought that was really, really cute. In February of 1943, his mother died after a long illness. At the time of her death, he was then told, oh, she had cancer. I think back then they just didn't talk about things. They didn't at all. By all accounts, he had been very close to his mother, and her death had a significant effect on him. He was only 20 years old. And I just feel like that's so young to lose your mama. You're a kid. Yes. Yes. Around the same time, he was drafted into the United States Army, and he served as a staff sergeant. His unit only saw combat once at the very end of Enough. the war. I know. <laughs> but I love this. He said he only had one opportunity to fire his machine gun, but forgot to load it. <laughs> I was like, I feel like this is something I would do. <laughs> and he was grateful that the German soldier he actually could have fired on actually surrendered. Thank so, goodness. Yeah. I just thought that was funny. I was like, yeah. Because I'm sure his gun was loaded. Yes. Yes, I'm sure. Years later, Scholz proudly spoke of his wartime service for being under fire. He did receive the Combat Infantry Badge, of which he was very proud. With good reason. Yes. For sure. Yes. After the war, he worked at a school, and it was Mm -hmm. called Art Instruction. And then, so he was working there, and he was basically a teacher there, grading papers. Mm -hmm. But he was also building his career writing comics. So he was, that's what he wanted to do, but it was something he could So did he go to school for that? Or they just allowed him to... He had actually been at Art, Art Instruction, Inc. as oh, well before okay. the war. Okay. He had, he had oh, gone okay. to school gotcha. there. Gotcha. And then when he came out, he worked there. He went there. back there and he was working. Yeah. Okay. So I thought this was really cute. I didn't know this. His first job was he was doing a one panel. So that would just be a square oh, of mm-hmm, comics, mm-hmm. right? I looked it up. Actually, looked, you know, <laughs> show me a picture. Because I, I had it in my mind, but I wanted to make sure you understood that it was just a one. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was doing those... For about three years, but it was called Little Little Folks. Oh, his one-panel comic? Yeah. It was called Little Folks. And that's when he actually used the name Charlie Brown for the first time. And Snoopy. The series had a dog that looked like Snoopy. Mm -hmm. So, and then later that year, he approached United Feature Syndicate. I don't really know how that works nowadays. Mm -hmm. So, it sounds like, you know, obviously if you got published, it went in all the papers. Mm -hmm. So, they distributed Mm -hmm. it to all the papers. And they were interested and at that time, he developed the four-panel comics, which is really what we see mm-hmm. now. But they had to change the title because there was already a comic strip out there that was similar to Little Folks. To little Folks. Little Folks. Mm-hmm. And so they selected the new name Peanuts. 
I just keep picturing Snoopy up in his little red bear. (laughs) (laughs) And actually that dog, I will get into this a little bit more, was really modeled after his dog. So his dog was a beagle. Mm -hmm. But he did crazy things, like (laughs) ate things he shouldn't have and that kind of stuff. So we'll get into that a little bit more. But he also had... And his dog's name was, do you remember what Snoopy's brother's name is in the show? Because that was actually oh. his dog's name. So oh. I can't remember what it was called. But I Snoopy didn't even does know have Snoopy a brother. Had a brother. <laughs> he does. And he lives out of town. I think it's Spike. I think it's Spike. Oh. He's a little bit more, oh. you know, um, shady. <laughs> I think it's the word than Snoopy. Spike. So anyway, oh, it was just so really funny. cute. Yeah. So at its height, Peanuts was published daily in 2,600 papers. In 75 countries, in 21 languages. Man, Mm -hmm. I had no idea it was that popular. Yes. Over nearly 50 years, Scholes drew almost 18,000 peanut strips. And actually, I read a comment that said this is considered the longest story Mm -hmm. ever written. Because it is a story. And it's continued all that time. Correct. Correct. How did he not just get so tired? I mean, I I get bored rather easily. I can't imagine going that Although he wanted to do this his whole life. Yeah. So I know, but still, I, I mean, know that, that says how passionate he was yes, about it. 50 years. He could do it. So that these long. were a couple cute things that I found that about the Peanuts characters. Mm-hmm. So like Charlie Brown's parents, Schultz's father was a barber and his mother was a housewife. Oh. Apparently they are in the strip too. I think I haven't really read the strips. I'm more thinking about the shows, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like Charlie Brown, Schultz often felt shy and withdrawn. He said, I suppose there's a melancholy feeling in a lot of cartoonists because cartooning, like all other humor, comes from bad things happening. Which is interesting because a lot of comedians, too, right? Mm -hmm. If something bad happens, it becomes funny. Yeah. A lot of stuff. I mean, that's how we grow. That's how we grow. Yeah. So he had an intelligent dog when he was a boy. Although this dog was a pointer, not a beagle like Snoopy. Family photos confirm a certain physical resemblance. So (laughs) Now I'm going to have to look that up. References to Snoopy's brother Spike (laughs) living outside of Needles, California, (laughs) were influenced by the few years that the Schultz family lived there. They moved to Needles to join other family members who had relocated from Minnesota. And probably had more room or something. This is so cute. Schultz's inspiration for Charlie Brown's unrequited love for the little red-haired girl was Donna Mae Johnson. And he had worked with her at Art Instruction Inc. And he just fell in love with her and he proposed to her. And she said no. She turned him down and married another man. No wonder he was heartbroken. That was the little red-haired girl. Yep. Linus and Shermie were named for his good friends, Linus Muir and Sherman Mm. Plepler, prospectively. Peppermint Patty. (laughs) (laughs) Was inspired by Patricia Swanson, one of his cousins on his mother's side. Oh, that's funny. He devised the characters' names when he saw peppermint candies in his house. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, Man after my own heart. I know. Peppermint patties. patties. Yeah. Mm. One of his greatest successes happened in 1965 when CBS debuted the holiday classic, Charlie Brown Christmas. Best cartoon ever. Can I just tell no. you guys that whenever I hear anybody reading Luke 2 at Christmas time, I hear Linus' voice yeah. and his little inflections yeah. that he gives in it. I'll just be like... And the shepherd's... Yes. Little, oh yeah. my gosh, I just love it. With its jazzy, non-traditional soundtrack and religious undertones, for sure, mm-hmm. some worried how it would be received. It was a huge success. 
with an estimated 15 million people watching the special, placing it number two in the TV ratings. Trailing only on Bonanza. I was going to say, what was number one? Okay. <laughs> a Charlie Brown Christmas was honored with Emmy and Peabody Awards. So Well-deserved. I know. Sure. It's yeah. so cute. The success of Charlie Brown Christmas was followed by the creation of a second CBS television special, Charlie Brown's All-Stars. I have to admit, mm. I have not seen that You know one. what? We do have that. I took it down to the beach. Okay. I, I, yeah. And there's also one. one on history. Yes. On the history of... I think the United States. Well, that now I'm gonna have to go down to the beach and look at the Pilgrim one. There's the Pilgrim one. Yeah, Yeah, might be. Now I want to know. And then, of course, it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yes, that's a good one too. My girls always laugh. I don't know if you remember this part, but when they're carving pumpkins, I think it's Lucy or something. It's like, oh, you didn't tell me you were gonna kill it. (laughs) They're carving pumpkins. (laughs) My girls do always say that we're carving pumpkins. So. Numerous TV specials followed, the last being Happiness is a Warm Blanket, Charlie Brown. That was in 2011. And it says that he wrote or co-wrote all these specials Mm -hmm. and carefully oversaw their production. So, in July 1981, he underwent heart bypass surgery. And during his hospital stay, President Ronald Reagan phoned to wish him, you all know I love Ronald Reagan, yep. So, in the 1980s, he said his hand started shaking. Hmm. I know. And he says, I have to hold my wrist to draw. That just made my heart break. This led to an erroneous impression that Scholes had Parkinson's disease, mm-hmm. but he actually didn't. It was just called an essential tremor. Mm. I didn't mm-hmm. do a lot of research on that, but it wasn't Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. And was it just in his writing, in his drawing arm, mm, or is, I'm was not it in sure. both sides? I'm not sure. Oh. You know, it makes me think that maybe because he had to hold the wrist. And- all that so, use right i mean right now yeah. he he still insisted on writing and drawing the strip by himself and it said it resulted in no noticeably shakier lines over time i know in november of 1999 he had several small strokes and a blocked aorta and he was later to found found to have colon cancer that had metastasized and because of the chemotherapy he could not see clearly so he decided to retire in 1999, and it was very difficult for him. He told Al Roker on the Today Show, I never dreamed that this is what would happen to me. I always had the feeling that I would probably stay with the strip until I was in my early 80s. He was 77 at the time. Mm. But all of a sudden, it's gone. It's been taken away from me. I did not take this away from me. So <laughs> they asked him in his final peanut strip. I don't know if you know if, if you don't know the peanut strip. There's always somebody holding a football, mm-hmm. and Charlie Brown never gets to kick it, <laughs> ever. And then he always tumbles over, yeah. and and it's just one of those things. And Schultz was asked if in the final peanut strip, Charlie Brown would finally get to kick the football after so many dec- decades. And he said, oh, definitely not. <laughs> I couldn't have Charlie Brown kick that football. That would be a terrible disservice to him after nearly half a century. So... Had to keep him in character. Yeah, but it was so cute because then after he had written, apparently you write these strips way in advance. Mm -hmm. So this will make sense to you in a little bit. But he had written everything he was going to do. And after he did do that, he said, all of a sudden I thought, you know, that poor, poor kid, he never even got to kick the football. What a dirty trick. (sighs) So I think he kind of regretted it. He's (laughs) like, maybe I should have let him (laughs) kick the ball. But... And good thing he's just a cartoon. Right, right. On February 12th, 2000, Schultz died in his sleep of a heart attack in his home. 
in California at age 77. And it was funny because the last peanut strip was due to be published the next day. Mm. So, yep. He had predicted that the strip would outlive him because the strips were usually drawn weeks before their publication. So, I really loved... Pauline is really trying to make me cry. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) He had five children with two different marriages. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite articles that I read about him was with his daughter, Amy. And I absolutely love the way she described her dad. I, I read this and I thought, oh my gosh, this is the kind of house I would, I hope that I was. But anyway, he, and I, I just loved what she had to say about him. She said, Charles Scholes believed that America likes decency. I just love that. Mm-hmm. It is an idea that may seem far-fetched in a society that embraces edgy and vulgar entertainment on a daily basis. But according to his daughter, the creator of the Peanuts comic strip never swore a day in his life. Oh, my gosh. I know. And he was in the military? Yeah. He always said rats. <laughs> Covers everything. And good grief. Yes. That's why he always had Charlie Brown say rats <laughs> when things went wrong. I love that. Aww. Johnson, that's his daughter who lives in Alpine, Utah, remembers her father as a normal, nice dad who was a good person and a man who always had time for his children. And I just love that. Uh Schultz and Joyce Halverson, which is Amy's mom, she she said that she said they created an environment that Jocelyn compares to living at Disneyland. Oh, my gosh. I know. She witnessed the impact of her father's character and the childhood he provided had in the lives of others. And I just love that. She said that he would stop everything when she walked in the room. If, if he was mm-hmm. working, he would just stop everything and he would would give himself to her. His availability letter to conclude that he didn't have a job. And I just love that. I just love that in kids' life. Like, my dad just must be yeah. unemployed. Yeah. He has all this time funny. for me. Yeah. Aww. And I probably thought, yeah, probably too. He was able to work at home for yeah. a lot of this. You know, before that was a popular thing. Yeah. Could draw it home. Still, bring it somewhere. not easy. No. When you have all those five kids running around. Right. She's, this was her quote. I distinctly remember walking into the room where he would be in the middle of drawing a strip and he would immediately stop drawing. He would say, hi, Amos, <laughs> Amy, and would just sit and talk to me. Therefore, I assumed he was never busy. He never acted like he was too busy for any of his children. Mm. I just really love that. That just Admirable, really. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they lived on 28 acres in California. And over the years, they added swimming pool, baseball fields, baseball. a park, a golf course. Making it a place where their children and their friends wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And I just, I always love that. I know my husband kind of complains, like, before COVID, we had kids over a lot. And I remember one time he said, what is up with our grocery bill? (laughs) Not complaining, but just... We, uh, I noting just, noting yeah <laughs> observing yes it's rather high amy goes on to say some of my friends didn't tell me until they were in their 40s that things were happening in their homes and i can't really wear this properly but they said and this had everything to do with dad that coming to our house every weekend is what saved them emotionally once again calling <laughs> seeing a normal nice dad who was a good person helped mm-hmm. them survive what they were going through themselves our home was a shelter from the storm for them his legacy lives on in the lives of his children and his grandchildren and she's amy said she's particularly proud of her brother craig Scholes and his efforts to honor their father with the release of the peanuts movie which i mm. i didn't see that and i wish i would have 
but he actually wrote and produced it along with his son. Oh, that's cute. Yep, and one of his grandsons, Micah, provides one of the little voices in there for a little oh, kid. That's I guess adorable. Little so kid, it's an so. animated thing, but not yeah. they don't draw them. It's right. computer Okay. Right, right. Because did any of his kids become artists? Oh, I don't in that know. Okay. I'm not sure. I think that's, you know, nowadays I, I think know. the yeah. artistry is yeah. different, right? Totally. So Johnson says her brother fought to maintain the wholesome quality of the Peanuts brand, avoiding any kind of bathroom humor or in, innuendo. And I always love that. Which is why we kids. love it. Yeah. yeah. I always just love yeah. that. So this is a quote from a fellow cartoonist. Peanuts pretty much defines the modern comic strip. So even now it's hard to see it with fresh eyes. The clean, minimalist drawings, the sarcastic humor, the unflinching emotional honesty. <laughs> I love this. The inner thoughts of a household pet. <laughs> the serious treatment of children, the wild fantasies, the merchandising on an enormous scale. In countless ways, Shoals blazed the wide trail that most every cartoonist since has tried to follow. So true. And I do mm-hmm. like the, you know, the talk about, it's not about stuff. No. You know, with the Christmas one. This nope. little children, yeah. the little tree. Yeah. One of our favorite scenes in that special is the kids dancing because they're kind of mm-hmm. out of control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, all of us in our family just love that scene. <laughs> it's just, it's an and adorable is show. Is it Schroeder? Yes, yeah, I think playing so. Playing the piano. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I didn't include this in here, but Scholz really loved classical music. Mm. He also loved hockey. Oh. And apparently that if you read the comic me. strip or oh. Ice Adventures and oh. hockey, he owned a oh. hockey rink. Oh, wow. And that's, you'll see that a lot in the peanut strip mm-hmm. is that they're playing hockey mm-hmm. or they're out in the snow. And that also came from just his love of hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So maybe growing up in Minnesota, you yeah, love the they ice. Did, they didn't the have snow. that on the twenty-eight acres yeah. in California. I'm yeah. sure. I, I think my favorite part though was just how he treated his family. Yeah, because I think that's what well, can be more important than that. Yeah, that he instilled that in them to know that. Yeah, that's your more. number one important thing. Yes. Yeah. So. I love that. Yes. So good. Yes. Great guy. So I have. A vivid recollection. I'm trying to give my oldest kiddo a haircut oh in the gosh. kitchen at our last I have never attempted that. So remember that episode of Big Bang Theory where Penny is, you know, like, <laughs> yes, Sheldon haircut yes, and then he moves his head. And then, yeah, that, that was this haircut. Because oh, I got no. some of those clipper things. And, I've never cut oh my, my children's gosh. hair ever, ever. Yeah. Not bangs, nothing. Yeah. You were, you're, you're much smarter than I am. Won't totally. do it. Because I can't do a straight line. No. So mine would be like, <laughs> oh, I'll make it straighter. Oh, I'll and make shorter. it shorter. Yes. And they're all yeah. going to have bobs. Yeah. It, it wasn't a bob. It was, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Because it was. Got to, even up this side. No, I got to go up a nope. little higher. No. Nope. Yeah. I know my limitations. No, I did not. I did not. <laughs> and maybe he was like three at the time. I figured it wouldn't be a problem just to clean up his hair with some newly purchased trimmers. Although one time I took the kids to like a little kid's haircutting place and they cut bangs into Bailey's hair without asking. Right. <gasps> so she turned around and I remember I didn't want to make a scene. Oh. So I kind of did like the, oh, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. 
Oh, I'm sure it was adorable. It was She's fine. got a good I just remember at the time, like, oh, that's, that's really not what we asked for. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Those are memories. Those are memories. It's like we said, the it's things awesome. that, are, that are rough that we laugh about later. We laugh about it still. So I probably don't have to tell you the direction this is going, but I ended up <laughs> with like a two-inch strip of almost baldness on the back of his head. Literally, it was like Sheldon Cooper on Big Bang Theory when Big Fanny was like, okay, we're done. But fortunately, he neither noticed or he just didn't care. Luckily, he was only three, not yes, 16. Yes, didn't really look in the mirror, but <laughs> Thank goodness. I, on the other hand, was mortified, um, even though... <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just, his hair couldn't grow out soon enough. I did explain uh-huh. to my family and um, <laughs> thought it was so easy. Clearly, it's not. Not your talent. No. Mm-mm. So that was my first and last time that I tried to cut my kid's <laughs> hair. Uh, it takes a lot of talent, honestly. I, I learned it that day. Preach. Yeah, to cut <laughs> kid's hair and to cut it well. And I'm glad that there are people out there that can do it. Same. So there's a guy named Vernon Jackson out of Cincinnati. And Vernon owns a barber shop called Noble Barber and Beauty. Vernon traditionally worked at his shop six days a week. And then in 2021, he added another day to his schedule. So now he works wow, seven, seven days, days a, week. a week. However, on a seventh day, Vernon doesn't make any money. It's his favorite day of the week Aww. still. On his day off, Vernon opens up his shop to special needs kids for haircuts. Right. Vernon has heard from a number of his parents of special needs kids the horror of them taking their kids to get a haircut. Yes. Other barbers didn't have the patience. It can be very traumatic Oh, my for gosh. These kids. Yes. Yeah. And they need to be patient. Yes. With these kids. They weren't willing to promote, you know, a happened environment that was conducive to cutting their hair. Right. It can be scary. Yes. Super scary. You have yes. that noise and. Right. Um, yeah, just the newness. Vernon says, I figured I would compromise by coming in on my day off so there would be no other barbers or stylists in the shop and I could give them the full attention they need. So it's as quiet as it can be. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's great. And it can be one-on-one. Right. So I just, I love this man. So. Vernon says that having an empty shop helps some children that are sensitive to new environments or too much activity going on around them. He lets the children get acclimated to the barbershop by walking them around and looking at things before he gets started. So it makes it less scary for them. That's so sweet. He makes sure that every appointment has plenty of time so he can go at their pace. Right. Take a break. Yes. Come back. Yes. Just make sure that they feel comfortable before he moves to the next Mm. spot, next stage. Of the haircutting. Of the haircut. Yeah, adventure. He talks to the kids the whole time, telling them what he's doing. The key to performing the haircuts is to reduce the child's anxiety and make them feel comfortable through the whole process. It takes more time. Right. But Vernon thinks it's totally worth it for the child to be comfortable. And I'm sure the parents agree. Oh, yeah. Vernon says these are parents that would pay any amount of money just for their child to be able to have an experience like any other person. Sure. Sure. And so, and to not, I'm sure it's stressful for the parent, oh, I'm too. I'm sure. Yeah. So. And I am i wouldn't be surprised if many of them would just want to grow at, you know, their kiddos. Or do it at home. Yeah. Or try <laughs> and learn. Once word got out of his program, people started contacting Vernon and asking how they could donate to it. Oh, that's um, wonderful. Jackson started to go fund me, and the cost of most of the haircuts, you know, was covered. But he said it's not about the money. He never charges the parents and even refuses tips. 
He has requests from parents all over the country to do haircuts, and Vernon is thinking of using the GoFundMe money to travel to other cities to do haircuts. He's hoping to expand the program by getting more barbers and hairstylists involved. Vernon loves the experience and says, this has allowed me to love to my fullest capacity and see what happens when I do. I mean, I just love that guy and that it's something like he's just taking his gift of cutting hair. And changing lives. It's all about love. Yeah, That's it is. That's what I like about and it, And acceptance. Too. Yes. All you need is love, but a little chocolate now and then doesn't hurt. Charles M. Schultz. We want to hear from you. Please email us your thoughts, story ideas, or just say hi at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com. Tell us about someone inspiring in your life. And like or subscribe to our podcast. It helps us out and helps others find us. You can find more information about us at our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Follow us on Instagram at Tangential Inspiration Podcast or find us on Facebook. Have a great week.